This episode of Wasteland may contain mature themes, profanity, and descriptions of sex, graphic violence, and criminal activity. Listener discretion is advised. From an Orlando Sentinel article dated March 17, 1992. Maitland psychologist George von Hilsheimer was arrested Monday on a charge of unlawfully practicing medicine. Agents with the Metropolitan Bureau of Investigation say the psychologist wrote prescriptions under the names of doctors and dispensed medicine from his Maitland Plaza office. One of those doctors was his former associate, William J. Rick whom Seminole County deputies arrested in 1990 after they said he assumed the identity of a dead doctor and set up an office in Castleberry. Rick was really William J. Pierce, who was sentenced to five years probation for unlawful practice of medicine and obtaining a license by fraud. Von Hilsheimer has said he did not know Pierce was a phony. Von Hilsheimer is a neuropsychologist who has specialized in nutrition and allergy treatment in Maitland for 10 years. He can only work with medicine under the direction of a medical doctor. Von Hilsheimer, 56, said in an interview on Monday that he hires medical doctors to write prescriptions and do medical treatment. He called the charges ridiculous. I'm pissed off. You don't treat people like this. He said he was angry that he was handcuffed at his Associated Health Professional's office like I'm some dangerous criminal. He was released from the Orange County Jail on $1,000 bond. They don't have a damn thing, said Von Hilsheimer, who faces a third-degree felony. The charge against him stems from a DeLand woman's complaint. Pat Donnelly, whose son Scott saw Von Hilsheimer for allergies from November 1988 to December 1989, told investigators that testosterone von Hilsheimer shot into her son's legs almost crippled him. The article also states, In 1973, von Hilsheimer was arrested by Volusia County deputy sheriffs and charged with practicing medicine without a license at his now-defunct Green Valley School for Emotionally Disturbed Children in Orange City. Those charges were dropped after a raid of the property was deemed improper by the state attorney's office. The school closed in 1974 after a U.S. Senate investigation into its practices and the use of federal funds for military children. At the Senate hearing, former school nurses testified on the use of torture, mock funerals, injections of urine and dust, massive doses of vitamins, and electronically induced sleep on the children. Donnelly said the arrest capped two years of waiting for her. The treatments forced her son to drop out of his senior year at Daltona High School, where he was a successful golfer, she said. By January 1990, Scott Donnelly could walk only with severe pain, said his mother. Scott Donnelly, 20, now walks with leg braces and is going through therapy, said his mother. The Green Valley School for Troubled Children was raided in February of 1973. By July of the following year, former students, parents of those students, and the school administration, von Hilsheimer included, sat before the Permanent Subcommittee 
on Investigations of the Committee on Government Operations, convened on July 23rd and 24th in the Dirksen Senate Office Building in Washington, D.C. What follows is a truncated version of the hundreds of pages of testimony these hearings produced. The original document is available at the link in this episode's description. The chairman of the hearings, Senator Henry M. Jackson, clarifies the committee's purpose on the first page of the court transcript. He stated that the hearing was important for three reasons. Quote, First, it presents case studies of how a program with laudatory objectives, providing psychiatric care for children, can go awry because of lack of proper control and supervision. Second, it shows yet another case of how millions of federal dollars are spent without appropriate checks and balances. Third, it points to a much larger problem of the psychiatric treatment of individuals, especially children, and how we are going to deal with this problem in the future. The millions of federal dollars that Chairman Jackson was referring to were the funds made available to the Green Valley School through a program called CHAMPUS. CHAMPUS stands for Civilian Health and Medical Program of the Uniformed Services, and it falls under the discretion of the United States Defense Department. Basically, it's used to pay for health care for civilian dependents of active duty and retired military personnel if that health care is unavailable at a military facility, like at a VA hospital. Being that this was the early 1970s, mental health was not nearly as much of a focus as it is now, so it's reasonable to assume these types of services were largely unavailable to veterans and their families. In his opening comments, Chairman Jackson continued to outline the importance of the hearings, saying that preliminary staff investigation has uncovered shocking allegations of the use of instruments of torture, of the utter filth and squalor of the facilities inhabited by young children, of physical abuse including mock burials and the use of chains, of the rampant use of drugs, of questionable psychiatric treatment including massive doses of vitamins, questionable use of CO2 in therapy, and injections of urine and dust serums, of isolation of children in solitary confinement, of lack of supervision and education of children entrusted to the institutions, and of questionable billing techniques used to receive government funds. With the purpose of the hearings clearly established, the committee called their first witness, their own investigator, John Walsh. Walsh discovered that there were no detailed criteria for an institution to receive campus approval. He found that it was possible for even a private school, lacking accreditation, to receive designation as a psychiatric hospital from campus. Such was the case with Green Valley. In 1967, the state of Florida didn't require a license to operate a private school, but maintaining accreditation was a necessary stipulation. Green Valley was denied this accreditation in 1967 due to its lack of an educational program, as Walsh termed it. The following year, 1968, Champus approved Green Valley as a psychiatric hospital, where the daily cost of room, board, and therapy was anywhere from $40 to $50. An equivalent price tag in 2023 would be somewhere around $315 and a substantial amount of these fees was being picked up by the Champus program, i.e. the taxpayers. Green Valley's designation as a psychiatric hospital dovetailed nicely with George von Hilsheimer's interest in medicine and the treatment of mental illness. Though he possessed no medical degree, according to Walsh, von Hilsheimer was, quote, extremely interested in unorthodox methods of treatment for mental illness. 
Walsh continued that in 1970, Von Hilsheimer met Dr. William Philpott, a psychiatrist at Fuller Memorial Sanitarium, located in Rhode Island. Philpott agreed to serve as a consultant to Green Valley, and with him, he brought his advocation of CO2 and electric shock treatments for mental illness. Chairman Jackson addressed Investigator Walsh before he stepped down, saying, It's beyond me that someone would approve as a proper psychiatric facility one which just brought in a psychiatrist, maybe once a month. Do you find that hard to understand? Walsh replied, it's very difficult to understand. The next witness called before the committee was Green Valley's former head of nursing, Mrs. Esther Johnson Snow. She gave her credentials as a legally registered nurse in the state of Florida. Snow became aware of Green Valley after coming across one of the school's newspaper ads. She applied and was hired as head nurse, beginning her duties in April of 1972. She claimed she was unaware of the school's lack of official status when she was hired. Snow continued that shortly after her hiring, George von Hilsheimer was under pressure to ensure the school was up to code to obtain a license and continue its operations. Snow claimed that von Hilsheimer provided her with a large book detailing the state of Florida's nursing services requirements. Snow believed that Green Valley wasn't even close to meeting those requirements. The control of the children on campus, Snow testified, which was the responsibility of volunteer parents, was very lax, and the result was an unusually large number of general medical complaints, such as cuts and bruises from fighting, suicide attempts, self-administered wounds, drug abuse, and so forth for which we had to care. Snow immediately began a program to improve the care at Green Valley. She started a master log that recorded all medications and treatments administered, something she was shocked had not been done by previous members of the nursing staff. Snow said she encountered problems shortly thereafter. I immediately ran into the first of my problems. I found that George von Hilsheimer, although he has no medical degree, insisted continuously on giving written or oral orders to me, to the nursing staff, or to the non-medical staff concerning medical matters in which he had no right to issue orders. Snow continued, Another source of friction was the fact that the non-medical staff were continually giving treatment and administering drugs for which they were not trained and had no legal right to administer. Snow attributed this to the fact that from midnight to 8 a.m., as well as on weekends, Green Valley, though not yet a legally accredited school, but a legally designated psychiatric hospital, actually had no nursing coverage. Snow claimed she tried to institute measures to curtail wanton distribution of medication, much of which would frequently go missing during unsupervised periods. My efforts in this direction, she said, were received with little support from the Green Valley administration and with much resentment from the non-medical staff. Snow went on to detail the conditions of the school, which Chairman Jackson had previously described as being in a state of squalor. Snow echoed his sentiments, describing the state of the facility as utter filth. She detailed that one of the campus buildings, termed the Medical Dome, was the site of all administered treatment at Green Valley. Upon returning after the weekend, Snow claimed to have discovered the main room of the dome, quote, strewn with liquor, wine, and beer bottles, and other general debris. Her description continued, The dirt and filth in the rest of the campus was even worse than that in the medical dome. Although I did not visit the living quarters of the students on a regular basis, I visited them often enough to be familiar with their condition. The children rarely slept on sheets and customarily slept on dirty mattresses, frequently stained with urine. When sheets were available, they were frequently as dirty as the mattresses. 
The walls and floors of the living quarters were never cleaned or disinfected, and the odor in them was overpowering. Once I was brought by one student to another's living quarters, at about 11 p.m. at night when I was making a round, a checkup of the facilities, and I found a student lying in bed with sores all over his legs and cockroaches crawling all over them. The entire Green Valley school was infested with both cockroaches and flies. Snow said that staff would leave personal items in their cars for fear that they would bring the roaches home with them. She also testified that she would frequently have to treat cases of fungal and bacterial infection caused by ringworm and hookworms. She attributed this to the unsanitary conditions and the lack of strict hygiene requirements placed on the students. Snow also brought up her reservations regarding the psychiatric treatment being administered to what she termed as disturbed children. Dr. William Philpott of Massachusetts usually came to Florida once a month for one day, Snow stated. She named two other psychiatrists who consulted with Green Valley, one every two weeks, the other every week. Snow outlined Dr. Philpott's belief that mental and emotional disorders were caused by food allergies. The doctor believed the proper treatment was fasting, allergy injections, and CO2 inhalation. She said that Von Hilsheimer concurred with Dr. Philpott and that he additionally believed in the positive effects of massive vitamin injections called megavitamins. Snow testified that when a child was admitted to Green Valley, they were sent for testing to Orlando allergy specialist Dr. Saul Klotz. According to Snow, the reports of these tests indicated that practically all of the children who came to Green Valley had allergies to one or more substances. Based upon these reports, a serum would be sent to us for injection to desensitive this child against this allergy. I remember that one of the most common allergies was Green Valley dust. Dr. Klotz ordered me to have the students at Green Valley collect dirt and dust from the school grounds. This was done, and a large jar of Green Valley dust was delivered to his clinic in Orlando. From this, Dr. Klotz prepared a serum, and he instructed the nurses at his clinic to inject a small amount of this Green Valley dust serum into the arm of every Green Valley student who was sent to him. Perhaps the most shocking part of Esther Snow's testimony before the committee came shortly after discussing the dust serum. Although I am not qualified to pass judgment on the value of megavitamins and allergy injections in the treatment of mental disorders, I had never heard of such treatment before, and I had many private reservations concerning them. I had even more reservations when, toward the end of my stay at Green Valley, I was ordered to prepare an injection from the urine of a student and then inject him with this preparation of his own urine. Snow further detailed the non-medical staff administering CO2 inhalation to students after only an hour-long training, as well as the usage of a therapy called electrosleep by non-qualified personnel. Snow described the electrosleep instrument thusly. It consists of a box with some controls on it and electrodes which fit on the wrists and the head of the patient. The person operating the machine can vary the electrical current going into the brain of the patient. Again, the other nurses and myself would have nothing to do with the use of this machine, but the non-medical staff who operated the inhalation equipment were also considered qualified to use this equipment, and they did, in fact, use it. I particularly remember that Ron Nowicki, the Green Valley headmaster, used this equipment on students. Snow's testimony continued to outline a catalog of abuse. She spoke about a particular incident where three students had broken into the medical dome at night and stolen some allergy injections. Once they were caught, Snow said that Headmaster Nowicki elicited a confession from the students using something called the Bull Shocker. Snow described it as an electric device that looks like a big flashlight and has batteries in the handle. 
It can be used to control cattle by giving the animal an electric shock. One of the students involved in the break-in came to the medical dome after the alleged interrogation. He was badly bruised and claimed that Von Hilsheimer, quote, beat the hell out of me. Snow then spoke about the use of restraints on Green Valley students. I remember several instances where children were chained or handcuffed by their wrists or ankles or both. I remember specifically one instance where three students, two boys and one girl, were chained together and brought into the medical dome by Martin Hode, a staff member. The chains had caused abrasions on their arms and legs, and Martin Hode unlocked the chains so they could be treated. After they were treated, they were locked up and rechained. Snow's recitation of Green Valley's alleged horrors continued with what she termed as the worst case she could remember. A patient of Dr. Philpott's, who she termed as a very seriously disturbed young boy, had been sent to Green Valley after being treated by Philpott in Massachusetts. Philpott believed the boy's mental state was being caused by certain food allergies and an allergy to smoking. During an unsupervised period at the school in the fall of 1972, this student and another inexplicably injected themselves with lighter fluid, causing severe infection that went untreated over the weekend, as there was no nursing staff to assist. When the boy's condition was discovered, a general meeting of the students and non-medical staff was convened. It was decided at this meeting that the two students should dig their own graves and sleep in them for the night. This, even though one of the boy's severely infected arms had swelled to almost three times its normal size, according to Snow. Though Snow doesn't give a motive for this strange punishment, it could be inferred that the lighter fluid injections were an attempt at suicide and the grave digging a crude form of exposure therapy. Snow also provided details of a structure on the Green Valley campus referred to as the bomb shelter. Snow claimed that during one of Dr. Philpott's infrequent visits to Green Valley in 1973, he was involved in an altercation with a student. The student struck Philpott after Philpott told the student he was insane. Initially, it was decided that the student would be sent to the closed ward at Daytona's Halifax Hospital. But Snow said that Headmaster Nowicki intervened and the student was instead locked in the bomb shelter. Snow described the structure as a solid concrete structure with no windows located immediately behind the administration building. I did not personally see him there, but I am told that he was confined there for a week with nothing to eat or drink but water, and that while he was confined, he shouted and screamed frequently, which caused much distress to the staff at the Green Valley School in the administration building. Snow told the committee that in February of 1973, she was terminated. Concerning why she stayed at the school for as long as she did, she said, First of all, I had been hired to reorganize the nursing services there, and I did not want to quit on that responsibility. Second, the professional nurses who work with me at Green Valley had formed a good team, and I felt we would accomplish some good results if only we would be given the opportunity. Finally, we had all become attached to the poor, pathetic students at Green Valley, whom we felt were being cruelly exploited, and we felt that if we left, they would have no one at all to look out for them. After Snow's testimony concluded, an affidavit by Ruth Rogers, a registered nurse in the state of Florida and a former nurse at Green Valley School, was read aloud. Rogers' affidavit supported Snow's description of the bomb shelter incident. She also stated that she had personally witnessed Nowicki and another staff member chaining a student to an outdoor railing. Rogers also corroborated the burial punishment, as well as another creative consequence allegedly devised by the Green Valley administration. She said, 
Another type of punishment was to send the children to a deserted island nearby called Scrub Island. They were sent into the woods on this island without any clothes and with only a thermos jug of water, and they had to stay there overnight or longer. I also remember that the punishment for fighting was to paint the neck of the students who were fighting red with mercurochrome. Nicotine acid was administered for non-compliance with school rules. Nicotine acid is a substance that, when ingested, gives a strong and painful burning sensation and turns the skin bright red. On the topic of the school's squalid conditions, Rogers stated that Headmaster Nowicki refused to allow Rogers and some of the other staff members to clean the premises. She said that he stated, Most of these disturbed children came from well-to-do families where they were used to being taken care of. He said that they would have to learn to take care of themselves. Finally, the committee heard from Assistant State Attorney John Upchurch. Upchurch detailed a series of investigative interviews conducted with former students and staff members of Green Valley throughout late 1972 and early 1973, preceding the raid on the school. Most damning was Upchurch's recollection of an interview with Bill Kelly, a former Green Valley employee. Kelly corroborated the bomb shelter and grave digging stories and stated that birth control was frequently distributed on campus. He claimed that three abortions had been performed at Green Valley. Kelly described a variety of incidents, including one where George von Hilsheimer allegedly put a rifle in a student's mouth, the slapping and groping of female students, and the use of the bull shocker for punitive measures. Finally, Upchurch described the incident that was the catalyst for the raid on Green Valley. On January 31, 1973, Peter Zakharuski and Ross Michael Cochran gave sworn testimony to state investigator Thomas S. Lodholtz. Zakharuski testified he had been a student at Green Valley from April to September of 1972 when he ran away. He was arrested and returned to the campus, where he alleged that on the orders of headmaster Ronald Nowicki, he was put in handcuffs and leg irons and shackled to an outdoor railing. Zakharuski stated that he was able to pick the leg irons and handcuffs after several days, at which point he escaped Green Valley and hitchhiked home. His mother, Mara Lee, brought a suit against Green Valley for which a small amount of damages were eventually recovered. Zakharuski testified that he had been held in the bomb shelter for no less than two weeks at a time in some cases, though he was permitted to go outside for brief periods. Ross Michael Cochran testified that he had also been handcuffed and placed in leg irons and that he had been locked in the bomb shelter at least 25 times during his time at Green Valley. Cochran also stated he had been one of the students to receive the Scrub Island punishment, where he stayed for four days until he swam across the river and escaped to Daytona Beach. Both Zakharuski and Cochran claimed to have seen many students put in the bomb shelter, electrocuted with the bull shocker, and placed in restraints. The former students also detailed the generally lackadaisical attitude the staff was alleged to have towards sex, stating that there were no limitations on sex and co-ed contact. Earlier in that day's proceedings, Chairman Jackson had asked Esther Snow bluntly, You would say they were experimenting on these children. Constantly, she said. Trying to find out whether certain medicines would work with dosages that were beyond all reason, the senator asked. Yes, sir, Snow answered. Then using and engaging in cruel and unusual treatment to see how they reacted, he asked. Yes, she said. As I understand it, the senator stated, these children were treated as guinea pigs. Yes.
This episode of Wasteland was researched, written, produced, recorded, edited, and in some areas, scored by me, Michael Paul Anthony. If you'd like to contact the show, the email address is wastelandpodfl at gmail.com. I want to thank you for listening, and if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. Until next time.